but I'm very grateful to, to see you all on uh, this 12th day of December. And I always like to remember that uh, the land that uh, I live on uh, is the traditional land of the Salish Kootenai. And um, there's a lot of uh, uh, difficulty that comes with uh, that acknowledgement. And so wherever you are, whether you're in the Midwest or uh, here in Montana, uh, east or west of the divide, it's important to remember that uh, this place um, that we are borrowing uh, was borrowed for generations before, um, for centuries, uh, for millennia before we were here. So uh, I, I wonder if anybody uh, noticed a very small uh, typo in the Nourishing Happiness uh, reading this morning. Um, right in the beginning, it said that the Sangha is there too, and you notice isn't as you read it. Yeah, you. well, and it was a lovely uh, emphasis that you put on it, because I think there's a, there was a beautiful meaning in there that was unintentional. Uh, it says that the Sangha is there to encourage us to make mistakes. Um, and while I'm not sure that uh, the practice of a Sangha is to lead us uh, towards making mistakes. It's certainly there to support us so that we can do our best and try things and see what happens. And with that, we'll occasionally make mistakes. Um, and the Sangha's uh, role in that can be to embrace, uh, to support and to gently uh, correct. And that's how we all learn to grow together. Um, the original uh, text says to not make mistakes, uh, but uh, sometimes um, hearing or thinking about the uh, not making mistakes puts a lot of undue pressure on ourselves and on our, our fellow Sangha members. So uh, even though it was unintentional, I, I think that uh, that spirit of being able to take risks, uh, to try things, to be ourselves, um, to not, uh, not uh, hold everything back <laughs> uh, and to see what happens. And our role as Sangha then can also be to uh, accept and to love and to support. Um, it's a challenging and risky feeling uh, to trust one another, um, to trust that we will be accepted for who we are. And that uh, is our call. Uh, to accept one another for who we are, as we are, with whatever we bring uh, on this day. So though it was a typo, I think there was a lot of uh, meaning in there. And um, on Zoom retreats, uh, uh, being in our home, of course, we're going to make mistakes. Uh, of course, we're going to uh, have our our mind wander, have our habit energies come back, particularly in our home environment. Uh, it's hard not to have uh, our habit energies there. And, uh, and we can just accept and embrace that just as it is. Uh, so welcome, welcome to our Sangha uh, that encourages you to make mistakes. Rather, it encourages you to try, uh, to just be yourself, um, to experiment. And with that will come mistakes. And then we have an opportunity to repair together. So uh, 
And our, our theme uh, for the retreat is resting in the now. And um, I think we all know the value of rest. Uh, biologically, uh, we, will, um, we will actually die from lack of sleep before we will from lack of food. Uh, so built into our system, into our physical system, we need rest. Uh, we need to sleep. Um, to recharge, repair. And um, likewise, our minds need rest now and again. Uh, we need to put down uh, the news. We need to put down um, other things in our lives um, so that we can uh, come back to this present moment, so that we can come back to what is happening in and around us. Um, constant activity, whether it's physical activity or mental activity, uh, can wear us down. Um, it can break our bodies down and it can also break our minds down. Uh, we can lose the capacity to, um, we can lose the capacity to trust and be vulnerable so that we can make mistakes together. Uh, got a little uh, excitement going on in the background there. Um, so when we come together to rest, um, I want to remember that we're not resting as an escape. We're resting as a necessary uh, part of our existence uh, so that we can be fully present uh, with whatever is in front of us. But at times uh, it will require us to kind of step away from situations, uh, step away from information, uh, step away from activity. And I, I kind of think of our lives a little bit like when you have a bucket of water and you spin it around in a circle above your head, uh, the water stays in the bucket, uh, absolutely. It maintains itself in there, but there's no change. Uh, it takes a lot of energy uh, to hold it up there. And the, um, the water has no opportunity to do anything. It just stays in one spot, uh, stuck in the bucket. Uh, and so earlier in the fall, uh, I was living my life like that, uh, spinning around, um, holding everything in, holding everything together. Uh, it wasn't uh, spilling out necessarily, uh, but it was certainly not transforming or moving. Um, and I had so much worry and anxiety about um, stopping that motion, uh, stopping moving. Uh, if you've ever had that experience of spinning a bucket of water around, uh, you know that that moment when you decide you need to stop spinning, it's very scary because uh, there's a good chance that you might soak yourself. Um, there's also, uh, a good chance that it might just be able to slow down. And what my experience was, was that I, uh, while nothing was coming out, nothing was coming in either. Uh, there was no change. It was just stuck and stagnant with this constant movement. And I became very overwhelmed um, with the news, uh, with the pandemic, uh, with trying to manage my kids uh, in their uh, online school um, and help them with that. 
and uh, with uh, Sangha organization, with other organizations, um, keeping those all together. And even saying that list, I feel a little, uh, a little quickening of my heart, uh, just remembering all of those uh, activities. And so um, I was at a place that it was just, uh, it was just too much, but I was afraid to stop. Um, and the reason I was afraid to stop was I didn't know um, what was inside. I didn't know what the contents of the bucket were. I just knew that it was there and, uh, and that, um, that I, had to, I felt like I had to keep moving. And it wasn't, I think, until our fall retreat that I finally took that uh, moment uh, to stop, um, to pause. I also had a lovely uh, conversation with the Sangha friend and uh, this friend asked a, a question and um, just for clarification and in trying to clarify, it just hit me that it's like, oh, I'm just, I'm, it's just too much. I need to stop, I need to slow down. And um, in that slowing down, in that stopping, um, I was able to then access what was inside, to touch those feelings of overwhelm, uh, to touch those feelings of feeling too busy, of um, fear, of sadness, um, of anxiety, all that worry that goes with um, all of those activities. Um, and uh, in in slowing down and stopping and taking a, the time to look at what was inside, uh, found that it was okay. Uh, nothing in there was um, more than I could handle at that moment. Um, and we had the gift of pausing. I had the gift of being able to slow down, to pause, and to notice that you know, I put all my attention on keeping this thing aloft. There's so much else going on. Um, and with that came those feelings of gratitude that just emerged uh, spontaneously. Um, grateful for uh, the people around, uh, grateful for this technology that uh, frustrates us, but also enables us to connect and to touch uh, each other. Um, and to be able to uh, support one another. Grateful for um, uh, having a roof over the head, uh, having food available. Grateful for all these little things. Uh, my health was uh, pretty good. Uh, grateful for that. And even when those things aren't there, there's always a little something underneath uh, that we can find uh, we're grateful for. But when I put all my attention, when we put all of our attention on just maintaining uh, without taking that time to rest, uh, to pause, we find that uh, all our attention goes on to the maintenance and not to what's around. And there's a, um, there's a fear that comes with pausing uh, because when we do pause, things that we have been keeping at bay, things that we've been keeping stuck in that bucket, uh, they're there and they can be painful. 
And so when we allow that, uh, it can feel scary to take that time to do it because we know that uh, we have a hundred other things to do. Um, and if we take the time to touch what's there, uh, we might not be able to come back uh, for a little bit. Uh, so these opportunities for retreat offer us that time to rest. Um, and sometimes it's not always a pleasant or relaxing kind of rest. It's the kind of rest that we need to heal, um, the kind of rest we need to examine uh, what's alive inside of us. What have we been keeping at bay by being in constant motion? Um, and interestingly, uh, when we're full like that and we just keep ourselves full, not only um, do we uh, lose the opportunity to touch and to transform what's inside of us, uh, but we also um, lose the opportunity to let uh, more in, to let that gratitude, that love, that compassion in from our friends, from our family, from our Sangha. Um, because if we uh, are just maintaining, just staying in one spot, um, or staying in that constant motion. Uh, we can't touch uh, the compassion and love that's being offered to us, uh, just like we may not be able to offer our own compassion and love in that moment. When we meditate, when we sit down to practice, our first step is to pause, is to rest even before we uh, begin our breathing in and breathing out, um, we have uh, that actual sitting and stilling of our bodies, that actual time of slowing down, of taking that time to just be still. And so I like to think, well, if we are doing that and resting, what are we resting from? Uh, what are we taking rest? Um, what are we taking a pause from? So we just—I described a little bit. We might be taking a pause from uh, kind of the busyness of our lives, the busyness that isn't just activity, but rather it's activity to keep things uh, uh, out or to keep them in. So. We might be taking a pause or a rest simply uh, from our mind's activities, uh, just like we did this morning uh, when we invited that feeling of release from our mind's activity, from our impulses. Um, our minds will be active. Uh, they will do what they're doing. Um, but we take a pause and a rest uh, from uh, following that activity from adding more to the activity of uh, our mind, from adding more to our experience. Uh, it's very easy to, to be uh, experiencing something, but at the same time, our minds are very active in adding more and more layers onto it, layers of meaning, perhaps, layers of history, layers of um, our old uh, habits. And 
as our uh, minds become busier uh, and add more and more of that layer, we become more and more removed from our actual experience, from just touching what is happening in us and around us right now, right in this very moment. I know that sometimes when I'm practicing, um, I have an idea about what I need to be doing or what I need to be experiencing. Um, sometimes I, I think of um, think of the Buddha's serene expression, and I think of the stories of the Buddha where people come to him to ask a question, and he. Um, refuses to answer, and he just sits and listens. Um, this may be a little uh, irreverent, but I had this wondering if maybe, just maybe when someone comes and asks the Buddha a question and he appears serene on the outside, uh, maybe he's got a lot going on inside. Um, Maybe it's the hundredth time somebody has asked this question and uh, he has a little frustration or irritation come up. Um, or maybe uh, someone is trying to, to uh, uh, provoke him and uh, with a question that they know, uh, they may know the answer to already or know what he's going to say. And so maybe that serene outer um, uh, outer view we see is, is the Buddha taking that time to pause, to touch what's going on inside of him, uh, which might be irritation or frustration. Um, and we on the outside see his uh, refusal to answer as wisdom, but uh, it is wisdom. It might not be wisdom in the sense that he has an answer prepared or is uh, choosing his silence as an answer, but it may be wisdom in that he's um, a different kind of wisdom, the wisdom that comes from being very present to what's alive inside right now, right here, and choosing to wait until there can be some kind of transformation. Uh, because when we're frustrated and irritated, um, we are losing connection. Um, we might, uh, might imagine picking up that bucket and spinning it around very vigorously when we're frustrated and irritated because we don't want uh, something to come in uh, because it's painful to us. And likewise, we uh, don't want anything to come out because uh, what we say may be unskillful. So rather we sit, we touch, we pause, transform, um, and it's not so much that we transform um, that irritation from something into something. It's rather we transform our attachment to that frustration, our story about the other person. And what happens then is we connect uh, to the questioner, to the other person. We connect to the news article to the people who it's about. We connect to our own um, anxiety. And in that connection, uh, then we begin to move forward. 
So it's that pause uh, preceding uh, a connection. So, and then we can answer. And so maybe when the Buddha answers after not speaking, it's because he did that inner work um, of transformation of that irritation and frustration. Um, maybe worry because he didn't know how to answer. Who knows? Doesn't really matter. But when he does answer, it's an answer born of love and of connection um, because of that pause. Now, I don't know if that's what the Buddha's experience is, but I know that I have had that experience before of um, uh, being asked something or being in a situation where irritation or frustration or anxiety or anger is born in me. And sometimes it can be helpful just to say, wow, I'm feeling very anxious right now. There's been many times where I've visited people in the hospital and they've said very difficult, uh, difficult things. It, their own experiences can be very challenging. Um, more than once I've walked into a room to visit with somebody and uh, they, they say that I know why you're here. You heard that I have two months to live, right? And I hadn't heard that. Um, so what I do in that situation is pause. Um, I often will put my hand here. I take a few breaths and then I connect to the person and I say, no, I hadn't heard that. And then I say, I wish I knew uh, what to say right now because I don't know what to say. Um, and then we connect. Uh, and are able to visit uh, together. Um, an alternative would be to try to say something pithy or wise or uh, uh, try to change the uh, conversation into a different direction. Um, but that's not what our practice is calling us to do. Uh, that pause for me is that opportunity uh, to touch what's alive, um, not touch it, uh, not pause to get rid of it, not pause to push away, but rather pause um, to connect, uh, pause to be authentic and honest uh, with what's going on inside of me, um, pause so that there can be a mistake uh, so that there's room for a mistake, uh, so that there's not that tightness uh, that comes with uh, being worried about making a mistake. And one of the challenges that we are uh, facing in our world, in our society, um, in our culture, uh, is that many of the real threats in front of us um, are not as concrete as a person who's asking us a difficult question or challenging us or pushing our buttons. Uh, the threats, uh, the, the real uh, dangers and threats that are around us are also invisible. Um, 
we certainly see the effects of these threats, uh, whether it's climate change, um, whether it's um, division in our culture, uh, ideological division, um, whether it's the pandemic, uh, systemic oppression, all of these things are real, yet they're also um, invisible to the, to the eye. Um, like I mentioned, we do see their effects. We know people who are ill uh, from, the, uh, from the pandemic. Uh, we may know people who have lost their lives as a result of it. We see um, the effects of climate change uh, with forest fires and hurricanes, uh, receding glaciers. Uh, we see the effects of systemic oppression uh, when marginalized communities are pushed further and further um, away and that they're hurt more and more. Um, yet the actual causes of these threats are not uh, visible to us. Uh, viruses are invisible. Uh, carbon dioxide is invisible. Our systems that we have created are invisible. And because of this, um, it can bring up a lot of uh, pervasive and chronic uh, worry and anxiety. Um, I had a friend, uh, a Sangha friend, describe it as the wallpaper around us. Uh, it's just always present. And so this act of resting, of pausing, uh, is an even more um, courageous and um, countercultural uh, act and process that we can engage in. Because even though these threats are there all of the time, um, our pause and our rest uh, can make it so that we um, also uh, touch what, uh, what is around us and what is beautiful all the things that are already uh, bringing us and nourishing our happiness, nourishing our joy. And it's not that we're avoiding these threats. It's, it's very much like if we have an injury in our body, uh, that injury doesn't go away. Yet if we focus all of our attention on it all of the time, uh, all that we are aware of then is our injury. Um, we of course take measures to protect and to treat and to heal our injuries if we can, if they're that kind of injury. Um, but we also take time to do other things, to water seeds of love, to water seeds of joy, uh, to come back to our gratitude to come back to the present, uh, to touch our Sangha, uh, to study and learn about the Dharma, and to, um, to be awake and alert in this very moment, the Buddha inside. And it's in that uh, pause and in that rest uh, that we then are able to step forward in a way that's um, more grounded and settled uh, in, the, in the present moment. 
and not just a, a response or a reaction to, uh, to the situation. These invisible, uh, invisible threats, uh, and I, I hesitate even to use the word threat um, because they are uh, invisible, um, invisible uh, things that are alive in our world that are are causing harm. Um, but if you take a moment right now uh, to actually just look around your space where you are at the visible. and to touch into your body in this moment. Are you safe right now? And chances are pretty good that you, you are. You may have some background uh, things going on health-wise or um, otherwise. Uh, maybe you're, maybe there's a drafty window. Who knows? Uh, but when I look at the at the rooms that you're in, uh, there's a good sense that you're okay, right? Right this moment. And I bring that up because that is there as well. Um, these invisible threat, uh, these invisible processes in our lives are there, is, but so is this moment of safety and of um, of touching what's around. That's here right now with us. And so, it's important that we take that pause to cultivate and to remember those pieces that are in us and around us that do nourish us. When I spoke about my experience earlier in the fall, uh, prior to the retreat, um, I was not able to uh, touch into that place of safety. Uh, nothing felt safe. Um, it felt like everything was a threat. And in fact, because I was so focused on uh, the dangers, the real dangers around, I started to interpret everything else as a threat as well. Um, and I lost my ability to trust, uh, to trust in the Sangha, uh, to trust in um, the people around me uh, to, to care for me. I lost my ability to receive the love and the compassion. Um, but a few uh, Sangha friends, uh, some pausing, uh, open that space up again. It didn't change the external at all. Um, we still have a, a extremely divisive culture. We still have climate change. We still are in the midst of a pandemic. We still have marginalized oppression. And I was able to trust again, uh, to trust and to love. 
um, to both trust others and to feel um, others trust in me. Um, and that was a powerful experience. And um, out of that experience, uh, I developed a, a practice of um, when that feeling of overwhelm emerges again, uh, to pause and to use that feeling as a way of, instead of uh, trying to spin the bucket faster, as a way of reminding uh, me to pause and to open to that uh, difficulty, that painful feeling of anxiety, of worry. Um, because the further I pushed it away, uh, the more it, uh, the further I should say, the further I tried to push it away, the more it just stayed there. And all my energy in my life became uh, trying to avoid uh, touching that. And when I did pause and touch it, it hurt. Um, but I have uh, the fortune, as do you, because you're here, the fortune of loving people around to support that pain uh, and to allow it uh, to not just, um, not just go away, uh, but to, um, to be present with uh, the other beautiful uh, things that are around. Um, and it does transform uh, my experience in the sense that I'm not just focused on the difficulty. The difficulty is still there, but there's also all these other beautiful aspects. I remember talking to a, um, a person who had lost... Uh, lost her uh, adult son and she um, she was uh, focused on that pit of grief as I would be as we all would be um, and I shared with her that image that um, What happens over time is that pit doesn't go away. Um, it stays there. Uh, but we start to slowly take notice of what's around the pit <laughs> uh, in these ever widening circles. We might notice, oh, there is an edge to this. Um, and if I look just a foot away, there's a flower growing. Um, and as I lift my head, um, I see that there's a horizon. Uh, there might be snow-capped mountains, or if you're in uh, Minnesota, maybe there's a lake, or Iowa, there might be a cornfield out there. Uh, but there's, uh, um, there's much more that's around. Uh, the pit is still there. Uh, it hasn't gone anywhere. And from time to time, uh, we take a look at it and it's there and it hurts. And we also are aware of all these other things that are around us at the same time. And that's what pausing can do. Um, pausing allows us that, uh, that time and that trust in the moment and the trust in each other and the trust in ourselves that we can look up and see something else. Um, 
And for me, one of the entry places into that pause uh, is into the body, into the physical body. Uh, this morning during our guided meditation, uh, we took that time to experience our body uh, with awareness and in the space that it is um, right now. And the reason for touching into that place is the body itself is always present. Uh, the body cannot be anywhere else than in the present. Um, our experiences uh, that are informing the body might come from the past or the future as we're remembering or thinking, uh, thinking ahead. Uh, that can have an effect in our body. Uh, so when we come back home to our body, to the very simple uh, contact of our clothes on our body, of the air on our skin, um, of the pressure of the floor, the chair on us uh, in this moment, um, we automatically come back into the present moment. I've already said this, I do want to emphasize that this practice of coming back to the body is not intended to avoid uh, difficult emotions or what we're experiencing. What it has the effect of doing is rooting us in the present moment uh, so that we can then touch those difficult feelings from this place of presence. And when we become overwhelmed, uh, we have a place to return, uh, which is our body, which is always here right now. Um, and when we feel that contact um, with the air, with our clothes, with the floor, with the cushion, with the chair. Um, we're not adding anything to it. Uh, we're not saying, oh, it's, it's cold air, uh, or it's too hot, or um, my sweater is itchy, or whatever it is we're experiencing. We're just noticing it just as it is, uh, not adding anything else, keeping it as simple as possible. Um, Instead of, I'm feeling hot, we just say the word heat. Instead of, I'm cold, we just say cool, coldness. Um, we might feel pressure. Uh, we might feel expansiveness. Who knows what we're experiencing, but we just keep it at the uh, very fundamental physical uh, sensation. And that has the ability to help us pause uh, in the midst of whatever we're experiencing. Uh, I do try to avoid um, noticing my heart rate or uh, my respiration rate because when I am agitated, my heart rate uh, accelerates. Uh, my breathing accelerates, and I feel a, a flush of heat uh, to my hands and to my face. Uh, so I know that. I'm familiar with that. So rather, I um, move my attention 
away from those experiences into all the other experiences that are in and around my body right now. Um, and uh, what I find is that um, in doing that practice of just keeping it simple, um, the other experiences, uh, whether it's emotional, mental, or those other physical experiences, uh, aren't uh, quite as large in my awareness as they were before. Uh, they're not gone, but they're uh, embraced by this present experience of the body, um, of my body, of your body, just that experience. And then I can touch into those places, uh, touch into that worry and that anxiety without, um, without being lost in it, without being overwhelmed by it. Um, it's like putting that bucket down and just placing a hand in the water. Um, and then you can actually feel it. Is this water cool? Is it warm? Um, you can touch it, you can experience it, uh, you can know what it is, uh, because there's a, a, a pause, a gentleness. Um, uh, it's also important to know um, that our, uh, our culture, our, our bodies, um, have inherited um, have inherited a lot of difficulties from our ancestors. Um, it might be more recent. It might be known ancestors who have caused uh, great difficulty to our minds and bodies. Um, but when we look back further, um, there is uh, um, there is an experience of uh, disconnect, of running away, of trauma in our bodies uh, that just lives there. And this practice of uh, touching into the body, um, uh, the reason I offer this as a, um, as a practice is that when we are able to um, just keep it at that level of simplicity of the contact of um, heat, cool, pressure, tenseness, relaxation. Um, those, uh, those parts of our body uh, that might be holding on to difficulty have an opportunity to release. Um, but also, um, if we have experienced immediate um, trauma or trauma in our lives, pausing can be a very uh, scary uh, and threatening place. Uh, and if that is true for you, um, please uh, take care to uh, work with uh, somebody who can help you with that. Uh, um, because uh, this practice uh, can bring up a lot. Um, it can bring up not just our own difficulties, not just our immediate cultural uh, and social and um, pervasive difficulties that I've mentioned already, but it can bring up historical uh, difficulties. 
And it's important for us to know how to take care of ourselves, uh, to rest. And that resting um, can help us so that when those difficulties do come up, um, we know where to go. So that's why I invited you to take a moment earlier to look around, uh, to notice the space where you are, to feel safe, um, to actually feel it. Because that is there. Um, and you have that capacity uh, to touch into that place when you need it, to touch into that safety when you need it. I was uh, talking to a person about, um, uh, they were uh, close to the end of life and uh, this, this person had um, a, lot of, uh, a lot of pain uh, due to the illness that the person had, uh, was experiencing. And the person was very afraid uh, to take medication for that pain uh, because there was a, uh, an anxiety about having your mind uh, clouded, about having, having the mind uh, um, affected by the medication. Um, but also this person had no relief uh, from their pain. Um, so, uh, so I asked the person uh, if, I said, well, what is your experience like right now? And they said, well, I'm in pain all the time. I said, well, isn't your mind being affected by the pain? Um, wouldn't, uh, wouldn't it be nice to have a little relief? Um, and the person had never thought of it like that before because uh, the medications absolutely had an effect on the person's thinking. Um, and they weren't thinking about anything else except for the pain. Um, and our experience sometimes uh, can be like that, where we're afraid to rest, we're afraid to, um, uh, to take a nap, uh, to take a walk. Um, maybe to watch a favorite television program um, because we have mindfulness trainings that uh, remind us uh, to be mindful of the television programs we watch, uh, um, to read a favorite book. Um, sometimes we have a little anxiety about doing those things um, because we're afraid uh, that we're going to miss uh, our ability to transform our difficulty. But it's just like being in that pain and um, we're not really doing anything else. We're just worried about whatever we're worried about. And so taking that moment to, um, to uh, change the channel uh, in our brain, to experience something else for a moment, on purpose though, right? We're doing it on purpose and we're not doing it to run away but we're doing it because we have no space inside right now to take care of what's around us, uh, to take care of what's inside of us. So we take that pause um, so that we can come back fresh. And we do this in our meditation practice as well. 
When difficulties arise, we engage with those difficulties. But we might notice that as we engage with that difficult feeling, uh, we're not really doing anything else anymore except kind of spinning through that difficult feeling. So we invite that practice of the body back. What is my body experiencing right now? Uh, and that gives us the capacity then to uh, swing back into that difficulty to come out. Uh, we don't have to do it all at once. I remember um, one of our Sangha members one time uh, said, uh, when we talk about kind of holding our anger as a little baby, right? Sometimes in our tradition, we talk about taking care and, and, and nurturing our, our anger and holding it like we would a child. And the Sangha member said, well, what if the anger is, you know, like the size of the Incredible Hulk and, <laughs> and it's sitting next to us? Uh, you know, at, at that time, it might not be the best to try to embrace that. Um, but what we can do is utilize all these other tools we have to come back to our, our experience right now to find that place of security, of safety. So that the next time we come back to that anger, maybe it's a little bit smaller. Um, eventually, it might be the size where we can then embrace it. Um, but we might not be able to do it immediately. Um, and this uh, practice of resting, of pausing, um, of uh, taking that time to, um, to water what's good and what's helpful and what's wholesome in us um, is a very beautiful and powerful practice. Um, we can uh, learn to cultivate what, what is it in us that takes care of us, that soothes us. Uh, Resma Menachem in his book, uh, My Grandmother's Hands, uh, talks about uh, five anchors of body experience, five anchors of practice. Um, and the first one is uh, to soothe to find what soothes you. Uh, he offers many different practices that you might like to try later, but sometimes it can be just rocking back and forth. Uh, sometimes it can be humming to yourself. Uh, sometimes it can be uh, what we experienced of coming home to our body and touching into our um, the physical sensations in our body. And there's uh, several other practices. The other three anchors uh, work with um, engaging with the difficult emotion, but doing so from that place of, of uh, soothing. And I like that word soothe, uh, offering kind of a healing balm onto our hearts uh, and uh, coming back and forth into those places. And then the fifth um, anchor that he talks about is to uh, kind of take some time to shake that energy off uh, because those difficult feelings do bring about uh, a lot of um, uh, a lot of energy inside, and so finding ways to uh, discharge that energy, um, to take a brisk walk, to do some exercise. Uh, if you've ever seen uh, those, um, if you've ever seen animals uh, chased by a predator, when the prey escapes, uh, it, it shakes the whole body all over, right, to discharge all of that energy. Um, 
from that fear. Uh, so maybe even doing that, just uh, a vigorous shaking of your body. But that discharge is really important because what happens is that energy can become lodged in us. Um, we might find that the discharge happens spontaneously uh, through tears or laughter or um, uh, just a kind of a swell of, of energy. Uh, but we might also have to intentionally take care of it. I know many times on retreat uh, at Flathead Lake, I have... Um, use that uh, loop that goes around uh, behind the camp uh, and walked it very, um, uh, for me anyway, very uh, almost aggressively uh, just to move the body and to shake some of this stuff up um, so that uh, when I come back to sitting, I feel more present and more stable. So that practice of, of discharge of that energy is really critical. And I think it's one that we don't um, address uh, very often uh, in our Sangha practice. We talk about taking care of ourselves, but um, I invite you to, to bring a little intention to that final step after working with some difficult uh, feelings and finding a way that um, can release that, uh, that, that energy that's generated um, so that it doesn't uh, become trapped in us and uh, water the seeds the next time of a difficult emotion. It keeps us fresh and it keeps us at peace. Um, so resting in the now. Um, taking the time to pause, to be very present with what is here, um, with everything that is here, not just the things that catch our attention, but um, to everything that's around us, um, to let our attention and our focus be soft, uh, to be open, um, to be gentle, So that our tenderness uh, can be present with us, so that our tenderness can be uh, a gift that we offer to one another, as well as a gift that uh, we receive in this loving container that our retreat organizers have put together today. So I encourage you for uh, the rest of the day as we move into our uh, walking meditation, our, our Dharma sharing groups, um, our mindful uh, eating, uh, that you bring this uh, pause, that you take this time to rest without adding anything. Let's not overcomplicate it. Let's not uh, work too hard to uh, experience something in a particular way. Let's just experience what we're experiencing. Let's just keep it simple. Let's just let our frustration, our love, let's let it all be there. Um, let's let our distraction be there and let's let our mindfulness catch our distraction. Just take it all. Uh, don't push anything away. Welcome anything that comes in, smile to it, 
breathe, notice your body, notice where you are, um, and take this time to really heal, to be in that place of who knows what's going to come next, who knows what tomorrow will be, who knows what next minute will be. But let's just uh, be in this place together of welcoming it all, of um, unintentionally, as the sutras, uh, as they're reading this morning, the nourishing happiness. Let's uh, encourage each other to make mistakes, uh, not make mistakes so that we fail, but make mistakes so that we grow, so that we can be together. Love to you all. <laughs>